Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. The book of Genesis chapter 8. I feel the Lord in this room. The hand of the Lord is here today. Praise God. We welcome everyone this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Certainly good to see all the Southall family here today. What a tremendous family. What a blessing they are to one another here and supporting this family, the loss of sweet Megan. Hard to believe that she's passed on, but she's arrived on the other side. She made it. She's saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And she's got the victory. Amen. We're striving for that place. Tomorrow will be the celebration service at 2 p.m. We're going to have a church service. Just like Sister Megan would want us to. From 11 to 2 will be the viewing. And so uh, I know you're going to come out and celebrate her life with us. And there's going to be a powerful touch of God. Something will be released in this room. With somebody like Sister Megan that was consecrated, dedicated, an anointing on her life. And uh, something releases. There's a part that she has with her, had with her, that she couldn't take with her. It's a mantle. A ministry that releases to those that follow afterwards to pick up where she left off. And God has a great plan because of the impact she made on so many of us. Aren't we thankful for, amen, Sister Megan Croston and her life. We'll celebrate her life tomorrow. Amen, amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're looking good. It's not even spring yet and you're looking good. Genesis chapter 8. Sister Kim, so good to see you. Mason and Austin, so glad they're here. Appreciate them today and all of our guests. Hey man, before we get in the Word, can we just lift our hands and ask God to bless His Word today? Would you do that? Oh, we love what we feel here today, but I want you to tell the Lord in your prayer, God, I want my heart to be open to your Word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for your word. I pray you'll bless this message today. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And everyone says amen. Genesis 8, 15. And God spake unto Noah saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth. I don't know why that strikes me funny, but even the creepy things were on the boat. Every creeping thing that creepeth. I could name a few, couldn't you? Yeah, they come out in the warm weather. We got people here from Florida. Y'all have a lot of creeping things in Florida. 
upon the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast. See it again? <laughs> I didn't even ask you to say it. I don't think. I said, do you see it again? Every creeping thing. I'm not even preaching about it. It just sticks out to me when I read this. And every what? Thou and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar to the Lord. We've heard about Noah's ark. But have you ever heard about Noah's altar? And he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the, on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. After the altar, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Man, I'd like to preach to you about Noah's altar today on simply, I'm not taking this with me. How many plan on not taking this with you? There's some things that you cannot take to your promised land with you. They're from that side of the flood. They're from that side of your salvation. You don't need them on this side of your salvation. Would you praise him for his word today? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It was an evil day. Noah's day, it was a wicked day. Matter of fact, the scripture says every imagination was evil against the Lord. They were merry, they were happy, it appears. They were drinking. They were given in marriage, but their thoughts were evil and not pleasing to God, so much so that God said, I wish I had never made man. Matter of fact, he said it, he repented. He repenteth that I've even made man. Because when I see the evil in their life and how one generation affects another generation to another generation, it regrets I'm regretful that I made them. And all of a sudden, out of the whole earth of people, Noah, hey God, I'll live for you. God, I won't be like them. Lord, I need you in my life. I will walk with you. I won't do what culture's doing. I won't act the way they act. Lord, I want to live the life you want me to live. And the scripture says, and Noah, one man in all the earth, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord speaks to Noah and he says to him, Noah, I want you to build me a boat. I want you to build an ark. I want it to be a big, big ark, three levels. It's going to be 600 feet long, about 60 feet tall. It, it, it's going to be, it's, it, it's a huge thing that I want you to build and and uh, I want you to build it out of gopher wood and put, put tar on the outside, put tar on the inside, seal it up real good. And, and uh, then when it's time, I, 
Uh, I'm going to bring the animals, the clean and the unclean. I'm going to bring the cattle and the creeping thing. We're going to put it in the boat. And it came time, about 110 years of building that, and his boys had married, and Ham, Shem, and Japheth have wives, and, and Noah and his wife, and it came time that out of nowhere, it appeared, I personally do not believe, maybe arguably, but I, I do not believe that Noah had to go herd the animals in the boat. I don't think he had to lasso them and drag them into the boat. I believe a call went out. And in a herd that, as the scripture says, two were in the field, one was taken and the other one was left. I mean, the scripture talks about that. In the rapture, two will be in the bed, one will be taken, the other will be left. And I believe there was a call that went. And when the call went out, I believe that seven of the clean out of the herd left the herd of cattle, the deer, the fallow deer, the, the giraffes, and and uh, the, the, the horses and, and all the way down, then two of every unclean, unclean. I, it really doesn't describe what that is, that there was no law at that time, so I don't know how he would have known the difference between clean and unclean except when they got on the boat. That the clean showed up in sevens and the unclean showed up in pairs. Are you with me? It appears that God calls everybody to the boat, caught them all in to this ark and when every animal was there and the food and the hay and the grain and all of that that they would have had to have had to be in the boat over a year, over, over 360 some days, I think 370 some it might have been, but that they were in the ark that God had called everything into there and then he said, Noah, get your family inside. I want to stop here and say that the Bible calls Noah the eighth man. Why? Because it was his responsibility to get his family in that boat. I'm calling you men again today. It's your responsibility to get your family in the boat. I wish there were some men would jump to your feet and say, I'm gonna get my family in the boat. Come on, men of God. I appreciate all of our spiritual ladies, but we need some men to step up and say, we're gonna get our family in the boat. The Lord's even trying to call you. Heaven's backing me up today. Get your family in the boat. He was making sure. Ham, Sham, Japheth, your wives. He's getting them in. And when he gets in, the door shuts. When the door shuts, it starts raining. Clouds move in. Thunder clouds. The fountains of the deep begin to open up. They'd never seen rain at this point, according to study. What is this water falling from the sky? Maybe that crazy man's right that preached that this is going to flood. It's going to flood. And all of a sudden the earth began to fill up and that boat began to rock back and forth and until the ark made its way floating above, above all the mountains. It even gives the distance above the highest mountain that it floated. And it's above every single mountaintop that's covered with water and above that everything on the earth on the earth died except what was inside of Noah's boat everything the only thing that lived is that which could live in the water such as the whales and things of that nature but everything that would have walked on land the Bible says even the fowl of the air died destroyed and uh, after a year, 
The waters begin to abate, come down, and you know that Noah's ark landed on Mount Ararat. And then Noah gets off of that boat. When he does, he builds an altar. And I'll preach about that in just a few moments. I want you to understand First, first Peter chapter 3, verse 20 says, and you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. It makes a statement about our salvation comparing it to Noah's day. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God. Aren't you glad God waits on you? Many are called, but few are what? He calls and he calls and he calls and he calls and you don't go to the altar, you don't repent, you don't pray. God's calling you. And it says when once sometime we're disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited, look at your neighbor and say, God's waiting on you. Waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing where in few, that is eight people. Souls, it didn't say eight people. Eight bodies. No, it didn't say it. Eight souls. Everybody shout the soul. Were saved by water. This really doesn't make any sense. Why would he say in this chapter that eight souls, meaning Noah and his wife, the three sons and their wives, that's eight. How in the world, if the flood was sent to destroy the earth, how were they saved by water? Wouldn't they have been saved by the boat or by the ark? Wasn't that the salvation? You have to understand the problem was not the life of the body. The problem was a sin problem on the world. There was a sin issue in the earth. The imagination of man, the the thoughts of man, the culture of mankind. And and you find that it was a sin issue. How many know it's the sin that destroys the soul? The Bible says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Sin, he said, lieth at the door. God came in Noah's day to wash away the sin. And that's why eight souls, not eight people, but considering the soul of Noah, the souls of the family, eight souls were saved by water because it was the water that washed away the sin. Somebody say amen. Let me just put it this way. Window. Water came out of heaven. The water came out of the deep. The water destroyed the sin. It washed away the sin and it lifted them up. What? Out of sin. That's why verse 21 says, look what it says. The like figure. 1 Peter 3 and 21. The like figure whereunto even what? Shout baptism. Doth also now Save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. People say, well, baptism doesn't save us. The scripture says it does. Jesus was baptized. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Why is it? Because it's just like Noah's day, that when the call came, it was like a call of repentance to come out of the world of sin to get on the, in the church to come to the Lord, to get in the boat, to get in the ark. Coming out of the world, getting on the boat was a type of repentance. Repentance is more than I'm sorry. And then you keep doing what you do. 
Repentance is a turning away from the system of the world, from the, what everybody else is doing. The Bible says he chose you to make you different than other people. And I quote that. He says, I want you to be different than other people. When God calls you out of a sinful family, he causes you to be different than the sinful family. He causes you to be different than a sinful city, a sinful nation, a sinful people. I'm preaching to you. Repentance is more than I'm sorry and you keep on doing what you're doing. Repentance by definition, it means a change of mind. It's a change of direction. I'm not going that way anymore. Somebody say amen. Somebody said one time, they said, oh, I gave my life to God. I did a 360 degree turn. You know what that means? That means you just kept on going the way you're going. 180 is better, you know. They had it wrong. 180 degree turn. I was on my way to hell. I heard a call of God. I was miserable going down that road of of brokenness and sinfulness and, and, and hatefulness and anger and bitterness and all the things and regret and guilt. I was on my way that something got a hold of me. Somebody preached that I didn't have to live that way anymore. And I'm preaching to anybody now that said, I turned my life around. God turned me around. Amen. In the Old Testament, you may be seated in the Old Testament. The word for repentance was to turn, to turn. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their what? Wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. When you are called, you're turning. They said it's crazy. It's never rain. Judgment of God. There's not even a God. All this stuff, but he kept on building that boat. He kept on cutting that gopher wood. He gathered the pitch. He did all of it to get that ready. I'm telling you, you got to quit ignoring what the news says and what culture says, and you got to come out of that world of sin. It's a choice. I can't make you. Your family can't make you. You've got to turn. I can preach to you, but you've got to turn. You've got to turn. Acts 2.38. Then they said, Acts 2.37, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? He didn't look at them and say nothing. He didn't look at them and say just believe. Oh, no. He looked at them and then Peter said unto them, repent. Turn. Turn. That's what he was saying. Repent and be what? Baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said there's a gift. There's a promise. There's something better than drugs and alcohol and sin and adultery and fornication. There's something better than tradition and the law. Somebody shout, there's something better. Amen. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of shout it. It's the only way they were baptized was in the name of Jesus in scripture. Any other way is tradition. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? For this promise is unto you. Watch. And to your and all that are way off. He doesn't care how far you're off. Off track. Way off from the Lord. Far off. Even as many of the Lord our God shall Call. He's calling you. 
Then he said with many of the words, he testified and exhorted, saying with many of the words, save yourselves. Well, preacher, I didn't know I could save myself. I'm going to tell you how you save yourself. The Bible says they purified their souls in obeying the gospel. I can preach to you. I can tell you about Calvary. I can tell you what he did on the cross, but you can't be saved unless you repent. You can't be saved unless you turn. You can't be saved unless you confess. You can't be saved unless you go and get baptized. I can't do it for you. I want everybody in the count of three to shout, save yourself. One, two, three. Save Amen. It, it is a choice. Calvary is of no benefit if you do not apply it to your life. What good is the gospel if it's only heard and not obeyed? It does no use. So I preached to you today that when they got on the boat, it was a type of repentance. Then God shut the door. And then here came the rain. And just like the water destroyed the sin. Everybody shout, destroy the sin. Washed away the sin. Lifted them up out of sin. Baptism. Doth also now save us it saves us why because Romans 6 4 says we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we arise to walk in newness of life Acts 22 16 in Saul which became the apostle Paul's conversion in this you'll find that the preacher told him, why wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Noah's day was very powerful and that God washed everything away to save one family. Amazing what God will do for one person. They're on the boat for a period of time and they hadn't, they hadn't seen land, haven't seen a tree. Every tree's covered. Water starts to abate and he sends a dove out and it comes back. One time he sends a dove out when it returns it. It was the first sign. Everybody said dove. Y'all know that how he sent the dove out the window. When it returns, it turns with, returns with an olive branch in its mouth representing the spirit of God. The anointing of God. An olive branch. Anytime you study the word olive, you study healing, you, you study the spirit. Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me. Olive branch is amazing. The first sign of a new beginning was an olive branch. The first sign the earth had been cleansed. The first sign of new land was an olive branch. Isn't it amazing that the water represents baptism? Are you here? And a dove responds with an olive branch. Now let's look at Matthew 3. Jesus comes up out of the water of baptism and the Spirit of the Lord, what? Descends upon him like a dove representing. And a voice speaks out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to stop here for a minute. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, the life you've lived, how long you spent 
paying for the crimes you committed when you come to God and you turn and he washes you with his blood. He fills you with his spirit. He said, this is my son. This is my son. I'm well pleased. I have cleansed him. This, come on now. I'm preaching to some of you that you, you hung out at the crack house and the bars and you, you run to and fro doing things you knew were wrong, but one day something got a hold of your life and you said, I don't want to live this life no more. And he gave you a second chance. Are you glad he gave you a second chance today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. The old song says, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad. I'm gonna tell you, it's okay to clap your hands when you think about he's saving you. It's okay to leap for joy thinking about he washed you. It's okay to get happy in church. Come on, if you're glad he saved you, won't you respond for a moment and worship him? If he saved you, if he saved you. cleansed now. He comes off of that boat. The dove is there. Would have been one of seven doves that he released. He gets off the boat. Family gets off the boat. I mean that door had to be big enough for elephants to cross. I think it's, it's not a miracle letting it down. It's a miracle that it shut all by itself. Read it. God shut the door. You better be careful to play with God. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. I might be somebody watching online. You keep pushing off repentance, pushing off getting right. There'll be a moment you'll wake up and you can't repent. The Bible said that Esau sought, he sought repentance bitterly with tears, a place of repentance, but he couldn't find it. I grew up in this. I know it's like when the preacher's preaching, your heart starts beating, you get pricked in your heart, and you know, I need to get right with God. You feel like, out of everybody in the building, I'm the only one getting preached to? Can I get a witness? And the preacher starts counting down. When I grew up, they counted down. They gave you like 10 seconds. 10. You better get your heart right with God. Nine. He's coming back real soon. Eight. He might be here about midnight. Seven. And I'm telling you the truth. When he would get to one, the spirit would lift. Tears would dry up because you didn't respond because you can't repent on your own terms. You got to bid to the call. When he opens your heart, you begin to see the error of your way. He starts pulling on your heart. You just don't, you don't put that off. God has given you a space, Revelation 2 and 20. He gives you a space to repent. Scripture says that he will not always strive with man. That means God's not going to wrestle you forever. There's a moment he will take his hands off you and he turns you over to yourself because you ignored him, ignored him, ignored him, ignored him. I come to be the preacher that stands between you and eternity. I say turn. I say go ahead and call upon his name. I say go ahead and confess the name of God before it's too late. I teach my children in devotion. I say, kids, you better understand. Don't you play games with God. I said, I t taught them not too long ago about the rapture. 
You may be seated. The rapture taking place. I was preaching about when the trumpet sounds and the Bible says the dead in Christ rise first and we were to alive and remain should be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I told him, I said, when the trumpet sounds and trains wreck, planes crash and people disappear, they don't show up for work, people don't show up on the job, they don't, they don't, the, the, the husband rolls over and his wife is gone. Parents that their kids came on the church bus to the church because somebody had a burden to pick them up and let them to the Lord. And they go on to wake them up the next morning and the kids aren't in the bed. They've gone. Their, their clothes are left. Their, their PJs are on the bed, but they're gone. And I told my kids, I said, the church house will be filled with people trying to strike up that key. Oh, is there anybody who can play the keyboard? Is there anybody who can play the drums? Where's the band at? Hopefully no choir members are here. Hopefully when the trumpet sounds, we don't have an orchestra trying to get a move of God again. But they'll be here. There'll be people here trying to sing, Amen, and heaven is brass. Everything's turned off. They can't cry. They can't weep. There's no tingling. There's no burden. There's no movement. And they know we have been left. They'll become so miserable. The Bible says they'll run up under the cliff hoping the cliff will fall on, but they can't even die. Why? Because now they have been separated, punished, with an everlasting destruction, the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell some backsliders watching right now. Some of you in the room, the only reason you have a little bit of peace is because of God's mercy upon your life. The only reason you have a little success and you're not right with God is because God's mercy upon your life. But when it's over, it's over. When it's done, it's done. I'll never forget James showed up at the church, showed up at the house. 11 o'clock at night. I was just a boy. My dad was the pastor. Beating on the door like that. And I thought, who in the world's knocking on our door like that? I went open up. And I used to work for him. I installed kitchen cabinets with him. He was a teenager. Opened the door. It was James. James said, Where's your daddy? Where's your dad? Where's your dad? I said, He's in there. He said, I need him. I need him. I need him right now. I went, God, Dad. I said, Dad. I said, James is down there. He'd been backslid for a long time. Been out of the church, left the church. I'm, I'm talking to him, and, and, and Dad came down. He said, I can't feel God. I'm lost. I've tried to pray, but I can't feel God. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell. I know I've been out of church, and I could feel him for a while, but I can't feel him anymore. I can't feel God at church. Dad took him over to the church and they prayed and prayed and prayed. Dad pleaded, Dad interceded. Finally, he felt the presence of God come over and he was relieved. I'll never forget somebody else knock on the door. See, it's uncomfortable for some people, but that's my job. I hope I, I hope I can comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted this morning to get you to get right with God. I know what the Lord told me, but I'm going to linger here for just a moment. Uh, I'll never forget another time two people called. They were, they were knocking on the door, frantic. I grew up with one of them, around one of them in church, and she and her mother were out of the church. They were backslid. They, you see, they had the teaching. They knew the word. They just wanted to live their own life for a period of time. It's not that they weren't saved at one point. They just went out on their own. They backslid. They went away from God, and, and here they are. And, and I'll never forget the frantic, where's your dad? Where's, your, where's the pastor? Where's the pastor? And got dad, and dad came down, went over. They had seen a fake, I'm talking about, a fake news report about the rapture and they thought it was real. Like 
you know, Left Behind series, one of those news reports. Somebody had put that up on a channel, and when they saw it, they didn't see the beginning or the end. They just saw the middle. They thought the Lord had come. I don't want that to be my road. I don't want to have to go to sleep wondering. I'm going to tell somebody, God wants to forgive you. God wants to forgive you. He wants you to be right. But the devil keeps throwing roadblocks and lies and all kinds of things and distractions and people in your life because he's trying to keep you from what God died to give you. Then the devil says, you, well, you know what? You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to live right. You'll never be able to. You backslid before. You'll do it again. You need to quit lying to that report and say, you know what? A just man falls down seven times, but he gets up. And if I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall forward and get back and, re- back and repent. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall forward. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to be, if I fail, I'm going back to church. I'm not going to be lost. I said, I'm not going to be lost. Be seated just a moment. And in my message today, and maybe you're wondering, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the door being shut and no man. Listen, the devil's doing everything he can to keep your family out of church. He didn't want them to hear what I'm preaching. Everybody take your hand and do like this, like a pendulum. See, during the week you got people in your life and right here in the middle is faith. This is what you need to do. This is set your face like a flint type of faith. Get out in the world, you got a hateful boss, got knuckleheads on the way to work, Come on, you wasn't feeling good. You got a headache, slept too long. Isn't it amazing when you're late how slow people drive? Can I get a witness in the building? What happens? Your attitude gets over here and then you say, yeah, boy, you got an attitude. You're not saved. You had words that come in your mind. You didn't say them, but they was in your mind. Don't look at me that way. Not me. Hold on now. Acting like you're not flesh. What happens when you come to the church? You come back in, the preacher preaches right where you're living. And it takes the pendulum of swinging confusion and goes, Shk. that's why the devil tries to keep you out of here because he knows he can swing you. Because God puts a shepherd and say, huh, don't you go that way. I don't even know what you're going through except God speaks to me. I never am void of a message in this pulpit. Because the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Now I'm going to deal with you right where you're living. Are you ready? When he comes through one of the greatest events of all time, the great flood, which they have proven, even in geology, of the layer that lies across the whole world at a certain level. Studied it in engineering. Flood. I looked at my atheist teacher. I said, there's proof, isn't there? He said, there is. He's an atheist, but they couldn't deny the fact of what they found at the certain level across the whole earth because there was a flood. (laughs) Listen to me now. Noah gets outside of that boat. The clean and the unclean come out. Probably a big field out there somewhere. And I don't know if it was muddy or dry, but I picture the herds eating together, the elephants and the giraffes and lizards crawling over the rocks the dogs barking all you cat lovers the cats are running around you're welcome I threw that in there it's hard for me but I threw that in there Ham Sham and Japheth look over and daddy's building an altar 
What are you doing, Dad? I know he saved us, but there's some things I've got to take care of. I've got to worship him. I've got to be on an altar to the God that has spared us from this evil world. Don't ever let anybody mock you worshiping God. That's what I'm saying. Don't let anybody intimidate your worship. If you only knew how far he brought me. He might feel that way. Come on, I realize you might not dance and you might not leap like me. See, I leap because I had crippled feet when I was born. I dance. I don't expect you to. But you know what? It's okay to lift your hands and tears run down your face and you do one of these numbers every now and then because you're passionate about God saving your soul. It's all right to get happy. He saved me just in time. I'm almost done. Watch this. For the gators, watch this. Bible says that Noah took of every clean. Isn't it amazing that there were six, there were three couples and an extra of the clean. He took one of every clean beast, every clean fowl. He didn't touch anything unclean. But he took it and he killed it and he offered it to the Lord as a burnt sacrifice. And I wondered why did he kill some things, offering them to God? God didn't need another death. He'd seen enough things die in the last year. It only appears to me if this represents our saved experience. He's on this side. Everybody say, this side of the flood. Everything's clean. Everything's wiped out. Everything's brand new. It only makes sense, according to Scripture, that God had destroyed the sins of the past and the only thing left living on the earth was what was left inside his boat. And there were some things that God left for Noah to kill. He washed the sin away. He washed the past away. He took all the influence away. He removed all of that. But there's still things in your life, mindsets from yesteryear, things that happened in a in a, in, a, in a sinful world, traditions and pictures and imaginations and things that came from the world you grew up in. You carry those into your born-again experience, into your saved new beginning. And there's some things that God washed away, but there's some things you've got to take to the altar and kill. Come on, we hold grudges against people because of what they did before they were saved. And you know what you got to do? You have jealousies and hurts and pains and past and you're always digging back. I'm going to tell you what you got to do. You got to build an altar and say, that was from that side of the flood. I'm not letting that on this side of the flood. I'm not taking that with me. I'm not going to let what somebody did to me when I was a kid carry over into my born again experience. I'm killing that at the altar today. Am I preaching to anybody right now? I don't have to live in the emotions of my past. When he made all things new. When you repent, when you get on the other side, it's not that you're not saved. It's that there's some things you've got to kill. The Bible says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. Be seated. He's talking to saved people. Look at your neighbor and say, saved people. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk, what? Help me now. Not after the flesh. They must not have that verse ready. 
but after the Spirit. Don't walk after your flesh. Do you know when he saved you, you're still flesh? Somebody was fasting one time. I say this every now and then. Somebody went on a fast one time. Pastor called him on a fast. You know what they said? Pastor, you're not going to believe it. He said, what? He said, I got hungry. You've got to be kidding me. You must not be born again because when we fast, we don't want anything. No caffeine, no sugar, no meat and potatoes because we holy. You need to go back to the altar, repent, we'll baptize again and see if you get hungry the next time you fast. I'm going to tell you, you're still flesh. Hey, just get real. You still going to deal with lust because it's in your flesh. You still going to get angry because you're still in your flesh. Oh, I'm preaching now. You still going to get hungry? Country boys say we get hungry. Yeah. You going to get hungry? You going to get sleepy? You going to worry? Because you're in your flesh. You're going to make decisions by what you see, you smell, you hear, you touch, you taste. It's going to affect you. Because you're flesh. So what's the difference? The Bible says in verse 13 and 14. Look what it says. You have it up there, Romans 8, 13. Romans 8 and 13, have that ready. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. He's talking to saved people. But if ye through the Spirit do what? That doesn't mean to embarrass but if you through the Spirit do slay or kill the deeds of the flesh, of the body, ye shall what? My, my, my. Go to Colossians 3 and 1, and I've got like 17 verses there I was going to read, but some of your flesh and your stomach's growling at you. So I'll skip some, okay? You still with me aren't they, out there, aren't you? I heard somebody say Amen. I'm going to read them all now because my flesh is acting up. <laughs> going to make you hungry. I'm teasing you. Colossians 3, well, look what it says. One, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. That means there's a choice. He said, I'm on the wrong, wrong verse. Everybody say above. Go on, read the next one. It says, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Read on. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Born again. Read on. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in Glory. Let's look on down. Verse uh, 5. Here it is. Mortify. Everybody say slay and kill. Mortify therefore your members which are upon. God killed everything. He said I need you to take care of some things. I need you to take care of some things that are on the earth. People think when they get saved, it's going to be just a flowery bed of ease. 
No problems, no lust. They come, I can't tell how many times people come to me. I must not be saved. Well, why is that? Had a bad thought? Did you get hungry? Did you get thirsty? Did you sleep last night? Yeah, your flesh. Everybody say mortified. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication. He's talking to saved people. I said saved people. Uncleanness. Inordinate affection. Extreme sexual desires. Evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience into which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Are you ready? Everybody say you got to kill some things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Just because you're saved, doesn't mean you're not going to lust. Come on. I'm saved. I can get on whatever website I want to. You're crazy. You're going to have chaos in your world. Well, one, one guy said one time, I can watch any movie I want to because, you know, you know what? He backslid. Because what you have to do is you've got to put, you be wise and you've got to put off things that are not right with God. That means there's choices that you have to make because he saved you from your past. He's removed any evidence that you used to live that way. Now you got to remove things that's going to cause you to fall back into the old way. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. you got to be careful to get too close to somebody of the opposite sex. It doesn't matter. One study says 70 hours of intimate conversation with the opposite sex will always lead to a sexual act. A co-worker, meaning that you open up your life to them. You're talking about them. You build a bond. You're having, you're having business lunches with someone of the opposite sex. You're going to fail. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you have. You've got to kill some things. The Bible says don't let, your, don't let your good be evil spoken of. You've got to guard your salvation and say, I'm living my life as an altar of worship. He saved me, so I'm going to protect myself from failure. I'm going to protect myself from chaos. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands. Come on, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands to the Lord today. Somebody say amen. The Bible says we can return back to that place as a dog that returns to its vomit. Just because he saves you doesn't mean you're exempt from fleshly emotions. So as I close today, is this making sense to everybody? There's some things you have to kill. And it's an act of worship. When you say no, you're worshiping. When you say we're not letting that play in our house, I'm not listening to that music anymore. Come on, if you, if you listen to country music all day long, you're going to be thinking about other people and all you single folks. Just look at me. Driving down the road, put the little love CD in. 
set the atmosphere. We're going to go on a date. I can't even think of a song right now. But love song. Got the music in the background. It's Valentine's Day. And all of a sudden, you are battling emotions that say people shouldn't have to battle. Because you created an atmosphere that's conducive to sin instead of righteousness. You probably shouldn't be doing any single dating anyhow in 2020. Well, we, we, need, we need to be alone. No, you don't. Look at your neighbor and say, no, you don't. You know, I think all the parents ought to support me on, even the young adults, and probably I'll talk to the adults in the building. If you're going to date, you probably ought to do it in a group. Don't be going to hanging out at each other's houses. But we're adults. All cuddled up on the couch watching a movie. It's going to crucify you. You're going to be in my office crying and squalling. I messed up. I'm preaching to you. Why do I say no? Well, if we, if, if, we, if we date in a group, we'll never get to know each other. That's a lie. Because if what you can only say is in private, flesh is going to start acting. And you're going to fall back to pre-flood days. Sinning. Messing around. Fornicating. Anger. Now, I'm meddling now, but I'm not hungry yet. You watch enough UFC fights, you'll want a fist fight. But I like it good. Get your flesh going. People beating each other's head in. I'm blunt, I can't help it. Naked ladies walking across the stage. This is a man's sport. The Bible says violence will be in that day. And if we're not careful, here a little and there a little, you hoping somebody gets road rage so you can act out anger in your heart that God never intended on this side of your flood. Some of you are battling emotions today, not because you're not saved, just because there's some things you haven't killed. There's some things. I close on this. I, I wondered in my study about killing fornication, lasciviousness, and covetousness, and anger, and wrath, and all that. That seems like things that are unclean. But I learned that Noah only killed the clean things. You know why? Because the clean represents your will. I'm not killing fornication. I'm not killing these things. I might be killing that thought, but at the end of the day, I'm killing me. What I'm laying on the altar represents it should have been me dying. And he said, don't you call that common or unclean which I've cleansed. Hear me. I'm, I'm closing, I promise. Just because you have the thought doesn't make you unclean. But you've got to take yourself to the altar and say, not my will, 
Lord, I want that relationship, but I know it's wrong. Lord, I'm craving those things, but I know it's wrong. God, I crucify myself with Christ. Yet I live, but not I, but Christ that lives within me. So I deny myself to worship you because you say, Paul said, I die daily. We preach a lot about Noah's ark, but today some of you need to build Noah's altar and kill some things here today. Say, I've held on to some jealousy for years. I've held on to some anger. I've held on to some bitterness. I've held on to some things. And it has affected my walk with God, making me think I wasn't saved. You're saved, but you need to come and offer it to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You've been in church for a long time and you struggled in your walk with God and your prayer time. You say, why? Maybe, maybe I'm not forgiven. It's not true. He made everything new for you. But you carried from that side of the flood some things that God says you've got to kill on this side of the flood. He could have killed them all. But he's waiting on you to kill some things in this altar. Deny your flesh. Deny your spirit. Lord, I'm asking you to speak individually to this congregation. I'm asking you to speak to this congregation preaching to save people right now that are struggling but you've come to heal you've come to deliver and you've come to set free in the name of Jesus come on there's a call out if you've never repented you can today come on there's a call going out right now come on come on I want you to come God's calling you I want you to come well who cares what somebody thinks Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.